now here we are here we go great uh welcome to another episode of the artistic director with jacob alexander ferg i'm sitting here with brian tabak 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 you so <laughs> close so close that's like a theme in my podcast <laughs> is me asking how to pronounce the person's last name and then like but between that time and me starting completely forgetting the pronunciation Brian Tabak. There you go. Brian, how are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming I, in and talking to us. Yeah, thank you for sitting down with me. It's it's awesome. Um, so for the listener who is not familiar with you, can you give a brief history of yourself in the improv slash performance world uh, that led you to being the artistic director of Comedy Sports Buffalo? Sure, yeah. Uh, I had done some theater in, in high school, like I'm sure most of us who are doing theater now have, have done. Uh, didn't do much coming out of that. Um, had just kind of visited comedy sports on a whim, uh, fell in love with it, went as a fan week after week after week and volunteered whenever I could. Uh, eventually auditioned and joined the group. <clears throat> was in the group for about seven years and the leader of our group uh, moved on to uh, take a job out west, which left this position open. Uh, I'd been doing this for you know, seven, eight years at that point and they said, we need a leader. And I said, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, so I stepped up into the role of, of comedy sports creative director at that point and kind of been carrying the torch since then excellent uh so i like to start out my podcast with a big ambiguous question yeah uh so feel free to answer it in any way shape or form that you want interpretive dance uh, yes <laughs> um the question is simply what is your artistic direction uh my artistic direction is freedom for our players um i, I try not to butt in much more than i have to um, comedy sports is a, is a licensed show, so we, we've got certain things that we need to do uh, to, to kind of fit into the, the show of comedy sports, the comedy sports match. Uh, you may hear me slide in a bunch of sports terms, right? That's part of the comedy sports show. Yeah. Um, so there's certain things we need to do there. We're part of this global entity of comedy sports. There's comedy sports is in all the cities all over the place, so there's certain things I need to do to honor the comedy sports match and to honor the other comedy sports cities. Um, so I'll tweet my whistle and, and show the get the players back on path if they're if they're going outside those lines but improv to me is so much more than what your director can give you if i get into your head as an improviser if i'm telling you too much what to do what i want to see what you could have done instead what you should have done instead then you're not improvising at your best um so i'm doing my best to kind of give my players the guidelines, give them the boundaries of what's acceptable and what's not and where we need to play in between. Yeah. But as long as you're inside those boundaries, I want them to be playing hard in, inside doing doing what it is that got them into this place in the first place. Yeah, right? that's a that's a tricky line to toe, though. I think, like, giving that guideline that's that's truly pushing the team forward and, like, trying to make sure everyone's, like, being at their best versus get like allowing enough space for people to do their own thing. Uh, is there a way that you tow that line? Uh, uh, you know, it's almost on a person by person basis. Yeah, um, as a, as the creative director, you get, you get notes back too, right? You get mm -hmm. folks coming to you and saying, man, I wish I had more direct notes or I wish I had yeah. more specific notes or I wish I had more notes in general. And you've also got people who don't want them. You've got folks who, <laughs> break down or get in their head or, or crumple if you give too many notes. Um, so it's a lot of trying to figure out what each individual person needs. And we could be in here after a show and I've got, you know, the six folks who just performed and I've got to figure out, all right, Jacob likes a lot of direct specific notes. I'm going to give him those. I know that, you know, John over here likes 
doesn't like to be given notes in front of everyone yeah. would rather email them or, or catch them off to the side um, so I, I don't think there's a specific way to do that yeah. um, and shoot I've been doing this six years and I'm still trying to find out how to drive folks forward and yeah. not, not get them notes in their heads. notes are one I think I've talked to a lot of people and notes are this ambiguous force that exists I think yeah. above definition in improv um, is there do you do you do in comedy sports or at least per, or personally maybe mm-hmm. do you do the director is the person that gives notes or can other players give each other notes in the feedback after a show uh, generally it comes from the director yeah. uh, if I'm not there uh, then it kind of goes by seniority mm-hmm. um, and again we've gone through waves of how to give notes both yeah. myself and certain players do it certain ways so there's times you know we'll go through spots where we're like man we just we just need to pick me up let's just do the positive stuff yeah there'll be times where we're like man that was a great show everyone's feeling good now's a pretty good time to get into the details because we know that's not gonna bog everyone down yeah. um so there's not a specific way to give notes it's um whatever the moment needs and again i've i've, I've gone through a little bit of everything i've i've tried going through kind of scene by scene game by game and, and drilling down and, and giving notes that way and we've tried just kind of giving well all right we just gave 30 notes last time and nobody did anything with them so let's just try giving one general note this time and seeing if we can give yeah. folks something to to hang on to that's the tricky part is how do you get folks to follow up on their notes yeah that's how do you get folks to follow <laughs> up on their notes i'll shoot that question right back at you yeah it's we'll go through themes as well so we've got practices once a week and you know if we're talking about characters then perhaps we'll focus on notes that have to do with characters so if you're hearing it at practice on monday and if you're hearing it after the show on friday or saturday maybe that starts to drill it in especially if we hit it again um i'm not terribly thorough about it i'm not going to breathe down your neck and ensure that you're doing Mm -hmm. something with your notes i'm kind of putting the responsibility on you you know, if it's if you've got a notebook that you want to write them down in and, and keep coming back to it, great. If you want me to just say the same thing over and over and it'll sink in, great. If you're not going to do anything with it, it's your prerogative. I'll tell you again next time. Eventually, yeah. it'll, it'll sink in. But I'm I'm not going to referee that for you. Yeah. Is there? Do, do you employ? Are, are there one-on-one meetings uh, at all, or or is it more of a the group as an entity? Yeah, we haven't recently. Um, it, more for personnel issues we will certainly right but as far as creative stuff goes and and that's that's been waves too we've had a couple times in in our history where we've said you know we need to break this down and and do the one-on-one meeting right we'll get folks in here and and uh we've done it group-wide too so we've passed around paper that said you know here's jacob's name give us the pros and the cons what do you like about playing with jacob what do you wish you would improve on yeah i took those kind of aggregated them and then sat down with jacob and said here's here's what your teammates like about playing with you here's what they think you need to improve so it's not always just coming from me yeah nice um but we haven't done that recently yeah. um a lot of that man just like everything in improv, i feel like i'm wussing out on the answers here because no, just so like no. everything else in improv well it depends yeah there's rules <laughs> you don't really have to follow them you don't ask yeah. questions in improv except when you do yeah right uh it's always good to be specific in improv except when it's not yeah um so same thing right it, it depends there's there's times where it feels like the group dynamic is good and we can just kind of go all about our happy business and there's times where you know cracks show a little bit and we need to get in and, and nip things in the bud before before they get worse yeah um so i'm curious about 
operating under the global entity of comedy sports. Yeah. Uh, do you find that that structure is helpful in propelling the theater forward with a direction? Or do you find that uh, sometimes members like kind of butt heads with the, with the constraints? I'll use, I'll use that in podcast air quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, mostly I think it, it drives us forward. Um, yeah. The beautiful thing about the comedy sports show is that even if you are doing crappy improv, which we hope to never do, but even if you're doing crappy improv, the comedy sports format will save you. Um, especially if folks are here watching it for the first time, they're they're wowed by the the loud music and the referees and the fouls and the yeah. the sports terms and there's a winner and a loser and they get to cheer for their team and vote for them and there's points and uh, you almost almost doesn't matter what you do in between. Um, so in that regards, the the comedy sports show the the match is is great, and then beyond that, we've got this global community of people, the most supportive, loving people who you could possibly hope for um, behind you. So once a year we all get together and we're super excited to to see these folks we haven't seen in a year. And if you're traveling to, you know, Seattle or or LA or Chicago on business, uh, we've got the opportunity to send our players in Buffalo to go play in those cities because they love having guest players from these other cities who play the same format that they do. So it's not like dropping in on a, on an improv group in some random town, you know, I'm, I'm stopping in Phoenix and going, I, I do improv. Can I do improv with you? And everyone there is going, yeah. are you good? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be able to mesh with our group? Do you understand our format? Yeah. Is this going to work at all? Can I see a resume? Um, we know that I can send a team to Detroit or Boston and, yeah. and they're going to be able to hold their own there. Yeah. No question. Right. They'll just be able to hit the ground running. And most of the folks going back to your original question, most of the folks in Buffalo, this is, Buffalo's not a, a terribly strong improv town. We don't have improv clubs all over the place. We don't have uh, folks coming to Buffalo and saying, I've got to see the improv in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so most of the folks that we have have grown up in that comedy sports family. I see. So they're not coming in, for the most part, they're not coming in with their own shows and formats and boundary pushing and oh, I want to do this thing and I want to do this thing and I want to swear comedy sports is an all-ages show. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big one that some folks have trouble with. Yeah. But coming up here... They generally don't. They grow up in that comedy sports family, and then we've got some other shows here that you can try out once you've come up through comedy sports, and that's where you get to branch out. But but we were all came in with that comedy sports scene. Yeah, that's nice because there's like a basic understanding. That's like right. when someone starts out, they've probably seen a bunch of comedy mm-hmm. sports shows, so they at least know the format from an audience perspective. For the most part, you know, we just had auditions, and and we were surprised at how many folks auditioned. We're here every weekend. We've been here every weekend. We've been playing since 1993. But there were folks who came to that audition and hadn't seen a comedy sports match. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, what do you what do you audition for? Have you ever done improv? No. All right, well, midlife crisis, right? Let's (laughs) let's do something. Yeah, yeah, so most folks, and certainly by the time they're done with their training, they've they've seen comedy sports matches. Uh, What is the audition process like? Because I've seen a lot of different ways to audition a lot of different things. Well, it depends, Jacob. Uh, so it, it seems like every time we audition, we've done it differently. Um, cause back, back in the day, we just auditioned straight into the group, right? It was a one-time audition. We did a callback, you know, it was a 45 minute audition or something. We called you back a, a week later for 45 minutes and then you were in or you weren't. Um, and that was real hard. We found yeah. to, <laughs> yeah, it's tumultuous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you, you got someone who 
was lucky, right? Mm-hmm. They, they were funny for 45 minutes or someone who didn't quite have the, the comedy sports attitude that we were looking for. Uh, and now they're in the group and you're trying to triage that and try to figure out how, to, is it worth it to keep this person on and try yeah. to get them to understand what we're looking to do here? Or do you cut them after they've been in the group for a month? Or do you sit down with them uh, notes after every practice and try to get them there? Um, so we found that if you would bring 12 people into the group, six were gone within the course of a month because okay. they weren't giving us what we needed or we weren't giving them what they needed. Um, it's a commitment. It's more of a commitment than most folks who are, you know, coming in to do a theater show, right? It's six weeks of rehearsals, three weeks of shows, and you're done. You're yeah. done in nine weeks. Comedy sports, we're asking you to, we're never saying you have to put in a 10-year commitment, yeah. but shoot, I've been doing this 14 years. We've got a guy who's been doing it since 98. I mean, we're a team and it's year round and, and, and you keep going. Um, so we were looking for something different. Um, so we had a bit of an audition process where you auditioned. We brought you into the group, but separated you from our larger group for six or eight weeks. We kind of taught you separate yeah. and then meshed you in. Uh, that worked a little bit better, but still wasn't giving us what we needed. So we, we've got a minor league now, which is mm-hmm. essentially comedy sports junior. Yeah. Right? Tier two. Uh, yeah. Tier two. Um, so Previous to this audition, we had auditioned them straight into our minor league, which normally you've got to go through our, our classes, one, mm-hmm. two, and three, and we kind of said, skip all that, go into our minor league, um, which worked out pretty nicely, but then we had folks looking at it going, shoot, I just spent money for three sessions of classes, 500 bucks, and these folks are just auditioning right into the minor league? That's yeah. BS. Um, so this past time, we, we kind of did a hybrid approach where we're, we're still in the middle of auditions. We essentially are doing an eight-week audition. Oh, okay, cool. So we had a an audition for one week uh, and we said, you know, we kind of filtered out the folks who we knew weren't going to fit and we took 22 people. (laughs) Right. But we knew that was okay because we're going to whittle it down from there. Mm -hmm. So we took those 22 people. We said, we're going to put you through an eight week comedy sports boot camp, and we're going to see what happens at the end of that. So we're in the middle of that now. Uh, A couple of folks have filtered themselves out, which is great. It's not for them. If if it's not giving them what they need, much better that they find out now than later. Um, and then at the end of that, we're going to trim it down to the six or eight or 10 people that we need. Um, and I, th- I think it's good for us. We can see them over the course of a long period of time yeah. and, and worst case scenario for them, if they don't make it shoot, they got an eight week improv class for yeah, free. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so we'll see how this works. But, uh, again, we're still trying to find that magic, magic bullet. Um, yeah. you know, we, we were trying to put folks through classes all the time, but then we were missing out on folks who couldn't afford classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah that's it's i think this is the best i i've seen some other theaters with a very similar approach and i think it's the most effective because i think one of the best traits to have as an improviser is consistency like so there are some people i've i've met improvisers that uh depending on their mood they can either be dynamite or uh, dynamite in terms of like positive or dynamite in terms of destructive um but if you have that if you have that like middle a good like solid b plus improviser that's always going to be a b plus improviser or maybe like starts to go up over time i feel like seeing that eight weeks i don't know that shows you the people who are consistent and committed and that's and in comedy sports we've got a ton of different skills that we we hit too right if if you're in a a herald group generally you're improvising long form you you know what you're getting yourself into there's certainly other things you're going to throw in there, but in comedy yeah. sports, we're singing, we're doing head-to-head rhyming games, yeah. we're, we're doing fast-paced 
on your feet thinking stuff, character games out the wazoo. Um, I mean, there's a ton of different stuff, and you, you can't hit that in a 15-minute audition. Yeah, yeah. So this gives us the opportunity to kind of punch them from all angles and see what they can take. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed a, like, because of your proximity to New York City, have you noticed any attrition of people, like, really liking improv here and then wanting to move to the the big city, the big apple to try? Yes, out? but not New York. It's Chicago. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I, I guess you're closer to Chicago than I am. Well, no, we, yeah. So we're so closer. It's been, you know, seven-hour drive to New York, eight or nine to Chicago. But Chicago's the improv mecca. Yeah, it really right? is. If you want to make yeah, it, it really as is. an improviser, Chicago's the place to be. Yeah. So we've seen a, a handful of players who... Uh, you know, came up here and they were a big fish in a little pond and wanted to see what happened. If they uh, made it into the big pond. Yeah. Um, so we've had folks join the comedy sports team over there. We've had folks who've gone out there to do more long form type improv. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had folks go out there for school simply because of the improv scene. So it wasn't, you know, it's, it's tough to make that leap of faith to yeah. rely on improv. There aren't a whole lot of folks making a, a living out of improv out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but if you can find a school that's given what you, what you need and you can, do school on the side as well. Heck, more power to you. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, we've we've seen a bunch, but many of the folks in Buffalo are. It's a it's a hobby for them. It's it's not. We don't get a ton of folks who are here going. I'm doing improv all the time, twenty four seven. I'm an improv guy. Look at me, I'm an improv guy. <laughs> um, we get a lot of folks who are are family people and who have you know full time jobs doing other things and who have tons of different interests and this is their. This is their Thursday night bowling league. Um, yeah, exactly. Which is a, a bit of a balancing and uh, act as a director too. Um, yeah, that's intriguing because because you want to. I, I feel like as a director, you want to be pushing your team to to like at least reach another level to, to like yeah. strive for excellence. But then there's also the level of this is a hobby for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and so it can't. If a hobby becomes stressful, then people stop doing it, uh, and so there's. There's that balance that you have to strike. Uh, can you just, like, I guess speak on that for a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> you, you nailed it. Yeah. Um, there are folks in the group, it, we try to walk that line, there are folks in the group who are frustrated because we don't get as technical and into improv as, as they'd like. You know, they want to get into the nuts and bolts, they want to get into the nitty-gritty, they want to dive into it, they want to do some intense work in improv. And we've got folks who come here and are like, yeah, I, I want to do improv, I want to learn it, but... Man, I'm here for a good time. Look at all my friends here. Let's let's hang out. Let's have a, a good improv time. Um, so there's we've had discussions. You know, we do an annual, just kind of everybody get together and talk. What's on your mind? Town hall meeting type thing with with all of our players. You know, get get whatever's on your back off your back. And we've seen both sides of that come up. Mm. We need to be doing more improv. We need to be doing less improv. Um, <laughs> not phrased quite like yeah, that. Yeah, no one no one comes into improv practice and says we need to do less yeah. improv. Um, but it's, yeah, there's folks who are here to play and there are folks who are here to work. Um, and given that we're not an improv town, we, we don't have the ability to say, all right, we're going to do improv hardcore yeah. without losing most of our group. Given that we're, we're, you know, given that each of our shows takes 10 people to put on and, and we're doing two to four shows a weekend, we, we need a pretty big roster of players yeah do you find that upsets the trust within the group ever having that different sensibilities of like some people want it like really like to focus on the hardcore and some people want the casual or or, or is there pretty much like homogeny yeah, yeah i don't uh, I, I don't see it as a lack of trust okay um 
again, this is the only improv group I've been a part of, so I imagine it's this way with other improv groups, but maybe not if, it, if it's a smaller core group. Again, we're, we're a pretty big group, but you've got folks who are stronger comedy sports players, and you've got folks who are weaker mm-hmm. comedy sports players. Um, so I, I think people on the team look at other people on the team and are excited to play with the stronger players, yeah. or, okay, I'm going to have to work a little harder here to... to how about yeah. my, my teammates who aren't as strong in this particular game or in this particular area? Um, but in general, I, I I don't think there's a whole lot of disdain there for the other half of the group. Yeah, that's I, I've been focusing on this. There's a term that's been stuck in my head since I've started this, which is uh, cultivating a culture. I think if you're the director of a group, you're, you're cultivating a culture, in podcast air quotes again, uh, in terms of you have to make sure that everyone is lifting each other up. Mm-hmm. But then there's also, the, there's the blatant acknowledgement that you have to make where it's like some people get on stage and they're, they're more fun to watch. They, they hit harder with an audience. There's just variant, varying skill levels. I guess the question I, I always have, I, I like this idea, but I always have t- a tough time deriving a question from it. Uh, but the question I guess is how do you, how do you ensure that, uh, despite the variant skill levels, you're still cultivating a culture. Well, not we're not only you, the director, but every teammate is still excited to perform with each other and and keep keep everyone up instead of trying to like get I don't know competitive and push each other down. Yes, well, I, I think it's man. If you are in an improv team where people are trying to keep people down, yeah, you're you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're in. For trouble there. Uh, you only succeed in an improv show if everyone's succeeding. Yeah. So I, I don't, oh gosh, I hope we would never get into a situation where we've got players out there going, I want to make Jacob look bad so yeah. I look better. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, I, I think we all understand that's not how improv works. Yeah. If, if I'm not on my game, that makes you look bad too, yeah, as well exactly. as our six other teammates. Yeah. Um, and, and nobody is, I mean, nobody's on our team is talentless, right? Yeah. We, we've got, Again, I go back to the different skills that are in comedy sports. We've got games that are solely telling puns. So we've got players who are stronger in that. We've got players who can't do that. But those players who can't tell puns, well, maybe they're a hell of a good singer. Mm -hmm. And that's there. We've got players who have great energy, which is important in the comedy sports show, the the fast-paced piece of that. So everyone here is is good at something, good at several things, and nobody here is good at everything. Um, so when we're, we're making the teams for the night and we're putting them together and, and I'm looking at it going, all right, Jacob's got a, a heck of a lot of energy, but needs some help with his, uh, his, his scene work. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm putting you with a couple of folks who can help you through that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then they're out there doing their best to do scene work. And, and, and since you've been doing this a while, you, you know how to find your place in that scene. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not going to be able to drive the scene forward, cause that's not your strength, you know, all right, well, I can be a, a character actor or a nail my Canadian crosses here or yeah. whatever it is that your strength <laughs> yeah. is. Um, what would you say are the optimal skill traits to have as a comedy sports improviser? Mm-hmm. Like, is it energy? Is it scene work? Is it being a jack of all trades or, some, or something like that? Yeah, it's, well, optimal is jack of all yeah, trades, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, no doubt you, you want everything. Um, that energy and that confidence is probably top. Um, you have to be able to get out there and make the fans excited about yeah. what they're watching. Yeah. Um, talked a little earlier uh, about the, the the scoring and the show format, keeping everyone into it. Um, and that only works if you're excited about it. If you're looking at intense, if you're playing up the competition yeah. of it, um, that's probably number one. Uh, 
that'll make everyone happy the first time they see a comedy sports match. The way you keep people coming back, though, is with that second layer of scene work, right? So that's where you want to tell interesting stories and you want interesting characters. Because if I'm playing a, a game of um, forward-reverse, where I'm, I'm going forward-reverse all the time, right? Oh, that's funny the first time I see it. and eh, maybe the second time I see it. And maybe the third time I see it. But unless I've got that story and those characters and something I care about beneath it as a loyal fan, I'm not going to keep coming back and keep paying $12 to get through that door and keep being invested in what's going on unless the, the layer underneath the gimmick is solid as yeah. well. It's like laying a good foundation. Right. Yeah. Um, but that confidence, that can cover up a lot of other shortcomings. If you can't <laughs> tell puns, and you know you can't tell puns, but you get out there and you do it with a wink and a nod and the confidence to the, the fans, that'll get you through a game. If yeah. you can't sing, most of us can't sing. <laughs> if you can't sing, your confidence is going to get you through those singing games. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, if you're looking like you're having a good time and that comes through with loyal fans. So we, we have several volunteer games in our repertoire where we'll play with two or three of us and we'll, we'll kind of yank a volunteer up to come and play with us. They don't know what's going on. They don't know the basic tenets of good scene work. They don't know how to do a good character. They're probably not going to sing well. They probably don't do good accents, Yeah. but with the other two players playing beside them, uh, being excited about it, letting them know it's okay, getting their confidence yeah. up, suddenly you've got a good scene, even though a third of your team has never done improv before. <laughs> so getting that, that confidence and that energy up to a point where it can be contagious mm -hmm. makes that work. So for the improviser who finds themselves struggling with that confidence and energy, do you have pieces of advice, things that maybe you can do before a show, or like ideas that can help... Uh, help with that confidence on stage because that's kind of a hard thing to like that's a very personality related thing yeah. but i also think it can be trained does that make sense yeah. yeah um if you don't have the confidence oftentimes you won't make it into comedy yeah. <laughs> yeah. um that doesn't mean you don't have the ebbs and flows though mm -hmm. right I, I think we've all been through it where you Things are going well. I heard it described once as the, the sine wave of suck, right? Yep. Okay. I, I, I'm familiar I, with the term. Yeah, I, I don't know who came up with it, but it's it's brilliant. I want to say Jill Bernard for some reason. That but... rings a bell to me, too, but yeah. I didn't want to attribute it to her if yeah. she wasn't. She, she gets enough glory. Yeah. There you go, Jill Bernard. <laughs> I didn't need to attribute <laughs> stuff to her that isn't hers. But if it was Jill, then thanks for that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, right? We're, we're all great at times, and we're all awful at times. Um, and this is a conversation I'll have with players who are going through that, who are at the bottom of that sine mm -hmm. wave. I describe it just like this, and I'm like, yeah, do you remember last month when you got that huge laugh for joke X, Y, or Z? And do you remember how you had three great shows in a row? And do you remember how you got onto this team? And do you remember that you didn't just forget improv because you had a bad show or two? Yeah. Um, it's going to be fine, and you've got teammates here to support you, and we're all friends, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Because if we can make that loyal fan look good, we're going to make you look good, too. And then eventually, when I stumble and fall, you're going to make me look good. Yeah. There was a... I, I took a workshop, and w one of the great things that the instructor said was, there's a reason that you're here. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that you've made it this far into this room. And that's, I think, just a pretty strong reminder of, like, if, if you're in a scenario where you're taking a workshop... Like, it's because you have passion. It's because yeah. at least, at very least, you've driven yourself to a point where you have 
made the choice to go learn. And that's at very least. Like, and you are at least successful enough to have $150 to pay for the yeah, class. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, at very least. Um, but then there's, yeah, I mean, if you're part of an ensemble, I think that definitely helps lift up. And we were kind of talking about that earlier, about, like, how... I think it's so important for every member of the ensemble to understand the tenet of making your scene partner look good, mm-hmm. uh, both on and off stage, and that's like a huge aspect. And it's real tough. So if you get in one of those funks, and we're on teams, I mean, we very specifically have a red team and a blue team, and if you're on that blue team and that blue team's getting laughs, it's real hard to extract that and say, well, that's because of something Jacob did. That's because mm-hmm. of something Brian did. Um, eventually, give it a week or two, and you'll get put on a team that's knocking it out of the park and no one's there going well yeah sure we had a great show and the blue team did great and everybody <laughs> loved them but i was still terrible no you're you're there you're getting those laughs you're yeah. feeling that energy you're feeling that adrenaline high and you're going yeah we did that good job bro you and me yeah. together yeah that's do you find that that competitive nature on stage ever because because you're two three-person teams in the third time in this podcast, <laughs> podcast air quotes. Uh, but, of course, you're a big ensemble. Like, you're, you're not actually, like, wanting to defeat each other. It's just whoever happens to win that show happens to win. Does that ever get to people's heads or maybe, like, start to see, seat back into the green room? Yeah. So the comedy sports motto is uh, always play to win, but don't care if you lose. Okay, yeah. Um, we... Over the course of all my time here, I can only think of one player for whom that was a problem. Okay. Um, we never get in here and discuss who won and who lost, uh, other than in an artistic sense, right? If the blue team was up and the red team came storming back, yeah. well, the red team maybe wants to win that game for the fans' sake, yeah. right? Um, there will be times where we're out there giving high fives to the fans leaving, and they're giving me a high five going, man, you got robbed, and I got to go. Oh, that's right. I lost. I didn't remember that. Uh, So, again, we had one player who got caught up in that. Uh, He's he's no longer around. Um, But it it never... We we never talk about it. We never discuss it. We never keep stats on wins and losses. So it it really doesn't find its way back in the locker room at all. I feel like those players tend to weed themselves out, too. Yeah, because they want to get into it with you, and no one's biting, right? What what fun is it to get into a, a brawl with someone if they're not punching back? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's a great metaphor i love that oh, yeah. I, want, I want to fight i want to argue yeah great go go argue with the wall because i'm not going to get into it with you yeah uh so we're about a half an hour in uh is there anything that we haven't talked about in terms of improv or artistic direction or, or just leadership in general uh that you want to talk about um i don't know man this is your podcast okay great, <laughs> great. i'll follow up with this question um, what? So you've been doing this for about seven-ish years? The, the directing part? Yeah, the, yeah, the directing part. Um, is there any advice that you, knowing what you know now, would give yourself as the as the director starting out? Um, yeah, I, I would say don't be afraid to dig in a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm the type who loves to please. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. still the type who loves to please. So you say, is there any advice I would give to Brian six years ago? This is probably also advice for Brian right now. Um, <laughs> Groups need a leader, mm-hmm. right? They need someone to lead them, and that's not going to happen by just saying, go do it, make it happen. Yeah. I started, your first question was something about how do you direct, and I, I kind of said, you know, I set up the boundaries and, and let those folks play within the boundaries. 
that's true, but I think you also kind of insinuated at that point that there's got to be someone pushing them from behind, mm-hmm. right? It's a little bit like a, a sheepdog rounding up the sheep. Yeah. Well, you can round up the sheep, but you also need to start pushing the sheep toward the corral. Yeah. Um, so there's times where it's okay to say no, and I haven't, and there's times where it's okay to say we need to change this thing, and I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get stuck a little bit, especially in improv, by going man, whatever you want, because it's improv, and it'll be fine, and you're smart, and you're funny, and it'll be cool, it'll be great. Um, Because improv, man, whatever just happened in this scene that went wrong, it's probably not going to happen next time. So I I oftentimes go back and forth like, man, should I even give that note? Because that was such a specific instance, which such a specific set of circumstances, and the chance of that happening again is next to nil. Um so how do you how do you talk through that and, and yeah. apply it to a more general set of circumstances? Um, so yeah, that that would be my advice for six years ago, Brian. Is is don't be afraid to draw those lines a little bit darker and push a little bit harder and dig yeah. in and and direct a little bit more than you, you might be afraid to at times. Because ultimately, you're the one that has to make the decision. There's there are times when making a decisive decision, no matter what decision you make someone's not going to be like thrilled about it or there's going to be a couple individuals who like have some sort of discrepancy right. it, it, it really that, that's what being a director i think is kind of about is being the one you're, you're the ultimate decision what's funny is that so i, I again I assume there are, there are theaters in both camps there are artistic directors and there are directors of the group and so many of the decisions where there's tugs of wars and fighting and feedback is like not even the creative director stuff. It's the, should we have water in the locker room? It's the, <laughs> do I have to wear stripes with pants with three stripes? Do I have to write? It's all of that like weird external stuff. Well, should practices start right at six thirty, or should we wait till six thirty five until everyone shows up? Um, which is all part of the creative director, part of the like managing director, but yeah. it's almost that stuff is almost more important than what happens out on the on the stage sometimes? Yeah, that's. I, I heard someone say, if you actually on one of these podcasts, uh, one of the people I had on said, uh, if you want to get on stage, you shouldn't be the leader of the theater if that's your intention. Yeah, uh, which is not saying that you're barred from being on stage, but a lot of the a lot of the legwork, a lot of the unseen, like the invisible work that you have to do. Uh, is yeah exactly like debating should there be like <laughs> water bottles that's a great example yeah should we well, one of our classic ones was should the group email be, address be allowed for bits or should it be business only like, what the, yeah. uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't care yeah. <laughs> be, be, a, be a grown up about it yeah but then at a certain point it's just like okay well it's this it's this decision right. and, and, and this, that's yeah. the kind of stuff though if it goes on too long it's going to annoy the crap out of people and they're going to leave because of that not because of anything that happened up on stage exactly. I mean so much I, I mean, I would have to go through and look at our past rosters and check it off, but I would bet more than half of the people who have left the group for one reason or another, more than half of them left because of just other stuff, yeah. right? It's not because they weren't enjoying comedy sports, not because they weren't enjoying improv, it's not because they weren't appreciating what we were doing up there. It's because of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that ambiguous, that big ambiguous bowl of other yeah. stuff. Which is Which is not what you get into this for. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, which I, I think any occupation would tell you. Teachers don't get into teaching to deal with the parents. Yeah. That's such a huge piece of what they do. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I don't know, that's, I had an idea and it just like, it was, it just like flew out the back of my brain. Um, 
Oh, what was it? Ah, oh, this is gonna. The nice thing is I can just ramble and edit it. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot it. It's gone. Um, actually, you know what? We are we are rounding out at about time right now. Any last notes that you have just about the world of improv, or are good, great? Man, improv is hard. It's, uh, <laughs> you know that people look at it and say, "Man, that's just winging it, just making it up." You yeah. know, no, no time spent acting and, and performing and rehearsing and getting your characters but there's so much that goes in behind the scenes yeah. that you don't even realize I have too many people who are like so how do you teach improv it's like you don't even know yeah. you don't even know the whole structure to it and that's but that's that's an effective I think that shows that it's an effective theater form is that the audience doesn't see the structure to it right. it literally looks like you're just winging it to them which is mm-hmm. like what makes improv kind of magical yeah, it did. yeah, think of it in band terms, right? If you're up there and you're watching the guitarist looking at his guitar and thinking about what strings yeah. he's playing next, it doesn't, doesn't. It's not a concert you want to see. Same thing in improv. If everyone's up there thinking about it too hard, and you can see the wheels turning and grinding, then yeah. you're not doing it right. Let's let the elevator go for a second. Can I can I this out? Woo. <laughs> um, excellent. Uh, I like to end my podcast with this. Can you give me one recommendation of anything at all? It can be a book, a movie, music album, a quote, a way of life, anything at all. Just one single recommendation. Yeah. Probably the hardest question I ask during this interview. Yeah. As far as direction goes? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. It, anything. Literally anything. Oh, j- so j- just like just, a thing that I enjoy that yeah, you Yeah, just to send out see? to the, to the oh, listeners. Oh, man. All right. Uh, shoot. Everyone should see the movie Life is Beautiful. Did you ever okay. see that one? I have not seen that one, actually. Uh, Academy Award winner from 98, maybe. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is the most beautiful, uh, sad, happy, funny, depressing movie you've ever seen. Nice. It's all of the emotions, all at once. That is amazing. And if someone is looking for Comedy Sports Buffalo or you online, do you have any plugs that you can give so if people are interested, they can come check it out? Yeah. Uh, CSZBuffalo.com is our website. Search for Comedy Sports. That's how the internet works these days. Yeah. Um, and not just us. So if you're listening from other parts of the country, there's Comedy Sports is in yeah. 24 cities. So go yeah. find the one closest to you. Yeah. So if you search Comedy Sports and then the closest big city to you, you can probably find yeah. uh, some way yeah. to find it. Well, Brian, thank you so much for sitting down with me it's been awesome i really appreciate you uh seeking us out yeah no worries uh if you are looking for this podcast online you can find it on soundcloud and itunes and facebook uh give me five stars or something and uh listener thank you so much for listening and i hope you have an excellent rest of your day